them at your feet Surrender every anxious thought For perfect peace Your perfect peace All the loved ones I hold dear All my hopes and dreams and all my fears Choose to trust your name in everything, with everything. I will look up, for there is none above you. I will bow down to tell you. Welcome you this morning to the services coming to you from World Adventist Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And in particular, we want to welcome all of you that's joining us on the online platform. We love you. We thank God for you. And we are asking you to join us in person Amen. so that we can enjoy the fellowship of ourselves together in Christ in Jesus' name. We love you. We thank God for everyone. Hallelujah. Again, this is World Adventure for All Nations, where we're building strong families and serving global communities. You know, uh, for a couple of weeks now, this particular person has been coming to services and I've forgotten to acknowledge them. And so this morning, I want to make that correction. I'm speaking of Reverend Ehosami. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. God bless you real good. Reverend Ehosami is the father of Oluwa Revelation Walker and salvation worker. Amen? Yeah. So with... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Salvation manager. Okay, corrected. You see that? God is finding a way to humble me this morning before I can... <laughs> before I can even get started. Praise God. Hallelujah. So again, we just love all of you. We thank God for you. And this morning... We are continuing in the message that we've been doing now for the last three Sundays. This is the fourth installment, looking back, looking up, and looking forward. 
We've been looking back because we recognize we are at the threshold or the beginning or the dawning of a new era, a new day, a new season. In a few weeks, we're going to cross over into 2022. So we are looking back with thanksgiving to see what God has done in our lives, the challenges that we've been through, overcome in, and the, uh, the, the road ahead. So we are looking back to say, okay, God, what happened? But we do so thankfully because God took us through that and we survived it, whatever it was. And we are thriving in it. So we look back with thanksgiving, and today we want to look upward. Why are we looking upward? We want to look up and say, okay, God, we did a SWOT analysis, both for the ministry and for our individual lives, and we've discerned certain things that we want to see changed. But we recognize that change is not just thinking about it. You need the empowerment and the help of the Holy Spirit. Change does not come that is sustainable, except God help us. So we look back, thankfully, we did a SWOT analysis. We now have known, discovered, designed our weaknesses and threats to our thriving. And we know that staying the course, the status quo, is not an option. And therefore, we must seek godly change by looking up to Jesus. So this morning, I'm dealing with the aspect of looking unto Jesus. So if you just give me Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 in the Amplified Classic. When I heard Deola mention that this morning during prison worship, I said, well, we praise God. We are all reading from the same page, the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 in the Amplified Classic says, therefore then, since we are surrounded First of all, let, 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 me, let me, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that later, okay. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so which so, oh, okay, all right, which so easily besets us. <laughs> Verse 2, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So really what it says is looking unto Jesus, okay, who is the leader and the source of our faith giving the first incentive to our belief. And it's also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. It's very important we see those emphasis. It starts the faith in us. It's one that's going to mature it and perfect it. Okay? He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? So we are looking up this morning, seeking godly change, both in our lives privately, in our ministry, in our jobs, in our careers, every and anything that involves us, we are looking back thankfully and say, God, okay, what could I have done differently? 
are now looking up now and say, God, how do we make these changes? How do we transit to the place we need to be? Now, in the scriptures, there are many ways that the Bible describes this idea of looking up. I'm not going to go to the scriptures, but I'll just mention them and go and move forward. Many ways. In Genesis 15 verse 5, Abraham was asked to look toward heaven. Why? Because God was about to bring a change to his life. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, Jesus blessed loaves and fishes by first looking toward heaven. In Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, the blind man that was about to receive his sight was commanded twice to look up. And then, of course, this very famous psalm that we're all very familiar with in Psalms 121, verse 1, Israel's plea for help. The, uh, I will look unto the hills from whence coming my help. Looking up unto Jesus, it means not trusting in human strength, human wisdom, and human resources. It means you and I are humbled enough to say, God, this is happening in my life. This is the, I, I've designed that this change is going to take place. However, I don't know how. So looking up to Jesus means not trusting in human strength, nor human wisdom, nor human resources. It means looking to God as our ever-ready divine helper who is always watching over us. The default for you and I, the norm for us, is usually to focus on ourselves, our failures, and our shortcomings. Anything happens, you look at yourself. Inwardly, you, you look at yourself. Oh, what, what did I do? How did I do this? That, that's that's the default. But constantly in and through the scriptures, Jesus is encouraging us to look beyond ourselves. In John four thirty five, it encourages the Samaritans. He said, "Lift up your eyes and see that the field is already white for harvest." Why is he saying that? Because as long as I'm looking at myself, I'm thinking I need a new car, a new house, I need more children, I need a better job. Me, me, me. And so Jesus is saying, listen, take attention away from yourself. Don't be so self-obsessed to where you're so self-absorbed, you can't see what God is doing. Lift up your eyes, he says, because there's something bigger, something bigger, uh, bigger better than where you are. Amen. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 through 31, I won't go there. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 through 31, we see a story in the scriptures where uh, the disciples uh, were rowing in the, in the, in the water in the, uh, on the sea, and it was very uh, stormy, they were afraid, and finally they saw Jesus walking on the water, and uh, Peter called out to him, Master, Lord, bid me come towards you. And Jesus said, come. If you read that passage, as long as Peter was walking towards Jesus with his focus on Jesus, everything was fine. But the moment he began to pay attention to the boisterous storm around him, the Bible said he began to sink. But thank God he had enough sense. He cried up again, and Jesus rescued him. So the point here is, in me and you crying out or looking unto Jesus, it does not mean that the storms will stop. Or that the storms are not there. Of course they are there. The idea here is 
that Jesus is more than willing and able to deliver you in and through the storms of life. As long as our focus is looking upward or looking on to him. Let me read this particular uh, passage here, Psalms 123, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 123, verses 1 and 2. If you give that to me in any translation, that'll be fine with me. Psalms 123, verses 1 and 2. There we go. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. Come on. I like the last sentence. Until he has mercy on us. That scripture helps me and you to put everything in, the, in perspective. We don't stop looking until. Amen. We do not stop looking unto Jesus until. And for me and you, until can be defined until we see him. Because until we see him, there will all, when I say see him, I'm talking about physically, when he returns, when he returns for us, his church, you and I will constantly be making adjustments, changes, transformation until we behold him face to face. Now, let me address the question. Why? Why are we looking up to Jesus? Take note, take note of this scripture in Hebrews 12, 2 again. It says, looking unto Jesus. Notice he did not say, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You did that when you were born again. One-time deal. You look to him to be born again. One time, instantaneous, it's done. If you are not born again, you need to look to him. Simple. You look to him, one-time deal. But that's not what the scripture is saying to us in Hebrews 12. Because Hebrews 12, or Hebrews really, is written to Christians. It's written to the church. It's an epistle to the church. So what the scripture is saying, beyond your one-time look to Jesus to be born again, beyond that, you must consistently, daily, minute by minute, hour by hour, weekly, monthly, yearly, all of the time, looking unto Jesus. What's the difference? Look is a one-time deal. Looking is a continuous deal. Looking unto Jesus is a continuum. It never finishes. It never finishes. I want you to pay attention to that. That's important. Now, oh my goodness. How do I explain this? I just bought a, a new desktop computer. Uh, maybe about a month ago. Uh, Faith and Grace. I came more like they came to the house to help me set it up. I needed help. I, I won't go beyond that. <laughs> so they set it up, and first said to me, Daddy, the computer is uh, it's all set up. I said, oh, really? Can I, can I get in there and use it? And I said, well, yeah, but. What's the but? He said, now you need a software. 
Microsoft 365. I said, ah, wait a minute. When I bought the computer, I, got, I thought I bought everything. <laughs> he said, no, daddy, that's not the way it works. So I now had to get that software. What am I, what, what, what's the point I'm driving? Why are we looking onto Jesus? Why is it a continuum? Because like me, you bought the hardware, the computer. You now need a system, a software in that computer to make it work. And as you realize, as you know, because all of us have smartphones. Now, it's the same thing. You may have an Apple or a Samsung. Both of those phones are good hardwares. But they will not operate unless you have a good software compatible to your hardware. So Samsung picks Android. Apple picks iOS. I don't like it, by the way. I know I'm going to get some text messages after this, so I repent, I repent, but I don't like it. <laughs> so, so, but the point I'm making is this. We are looking unto Jesus to make sure our software is adequate for the hardware. Oh, my goodness. Even your smartphones, they will send updates, software updates to you. What happens over time if you don't update it? your system will not work maximally. It may work for a while, but it will not be optimum. Why? Because you refuse to get the updates necessary to upgrade it, to make it compatible with what you got. Jesus puts it this way. In fact, let's go to the scriptures. Luke chapter 5, in verse 36 through 38. Luke chapter 5, Verses 36 through 38. I, I need to explain this to you. Because why looking unto Jesus? Why can't we just look one time? Why can't, pray? Why can't I just pray once and, and it's all done? Why do I need to keep praying? Why do I need to re keep reading the word? Why do I need to keep the essential disciplines of the work of a believer? Why? Why can't I just do it just one time? God knows who I am. We say, ah, oh, God knows who I am. Yeah, he, he does. He created you, yes, 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 he does. Why? Look at what Jesus said. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one. Say no one. No. It doesn't matter who you are. You are the president, you're governor, you are the local assembly, whatever you are. No one, the Bible says, puts a piece of new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. It doesn't match. Too many of us are into mixtures. Many of us are offering God what I call mixed seed. You are in the law one day. You are in the grace the next day. And you expect your world or your life to work? No! Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19 says, he does not want mixed seed. Make up your mind. Are you going to stay under the law of Moses? with the do's and don'ts, or would you embrace the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him and help and understand that he has finished everything concerning you and just embrace it? Mix it. Jesus said it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let's read on. Verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wine skin. 
or else the new wine will bust the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. This is critically important. The reason we are taking our time to do these teachings and bring all of us through this whole uh, uh, message is to make sure that the changes we are trying to make in our lives, the systems and the processes that we are introducing to our lives, that, 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 that those systems and processes are compatible with who you are. I said last week, any change that will be sustainable must begin inwardly in us. Me and you first needs to be changed. Forget the systems and the processes. Because systems and processes have to have human beings working them. If the man or woman is compromised, guess what input will go into the systems? Ah, I know you guys are smarter than that. You didn't answer me. <laughs> you didn't answer me. If, if we are compromised, the inputs we're going to be making to our systems and processes are going to be compromised. What would the output be? Compromise output. So, 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 whatever change you are making, it needs to begin with us. Inward transformation. It's the, it's the inward transformation that makes the systems and the processes work. That's what Jesus is saying. You cannot put old, um, new wine in an old wine skin. But he said something else as well that's very important we should pay attention to. And before I get to that one, let, let me go to Romans 12, 2 in the, in the Passion Translation. Romans 12, 2. In a passion translation. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Inward transformation is what's going to keep our systems and processes working. Whether that's in your private, private life, whether that's in your career, whether that's in your business, whether that's us as a church. It's the inward input that we make that will make the systems work. Look at what it says. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That's our problem. Big problem. Because we think CNN and Fox News and NBC is the gospel. They dictate it and we try to leave it out. Wrong! Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly, do you see this, what I'm telling you, what the scripture is saying? Be inwardly transformed. How? By the Holy Spirit. The reason we are looking up is we're saying, God, change us. The reason we are looking up is saying, God, do a work in us. God, it is you that is at work, both to will and to do of your good pleasure in us. That's the reason we are looking up. We are looking up to God and saying, God, you created us. You have a plan for us, plans of peace and not of evil, to bring us to an expected end. So now, God, help us to acknowledge the areas that we need to, we need to change. Help us, empower us, so we can be the change you need to be a viable witness to our world. So you cannot put new wine in old wine skin. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said one more thing that's very poignant in Luke 539. Let's go back there again. Luke 539. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Luke 539. Okay, it's up. Thank you. I know one. Having drunk old wine, 
this is huge. Immediately, desires the new. For he says, the old is better. The reason many of us don't change is that we got stuck in time. We've been drinking the old wine for so long, our palates, our taste buds have become accustomed to this old wine. If they bring something new, say, ah, where was it made? Ah, uh, okay, uh, this is not the one I drank in secondary school. You put it back down. <laughs> Just put it down. You, you, you're not even checking it out. <laughs> Jesus knew this. This is why in John chapter 2, at the Cana of Galilee, where he went to the marriage and, and, and turned the water into wine, and they presented the, new, the wine to the governor of the feast. What did the governor say in John chapter 2 verse 10? He said, goodness, ah, what am I tasting? Let me taste it again. Let me see. It is, ah. He said, normally, people put the good wine first. And after that, the worst one. When people are drunk, their taste buds is all messed up. They don't recognize what they're drinking again. At that point, you can give them urine, they'll drink it. But this guy had the presence of mind to recognize, wait a minute, I know what I drank before, I know what I'm this one, this new one is better. That's the idea. Where Jesus is taking us, we've never been there before. But we have a roadmap. We have a guide, these holy scriptures, this sure word of prophecy, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And therefore, I want to encourage you as we begin to roll out these new processes and systems and the things we're going to share with you on January 2nd, 2022. Don't allow the old wine to get you stuck where you cannot move forward. Amen? Amen. Now, let me just move on. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, verse 1 in particular says, Therefore, having such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, verse 2 tells us to look unto Jesus. But I want you to understand the connection between verse 2 and verse 1. Verse 2 is not asking us to just look unto Jesus as a stand-alone encouragement. It's asking us to look unto Jesus on the basis of the record. It's asking us to look unto Jesus on the basis of what God has already accomplished among other believers. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. In other words, this notion of looking up to Jesus, don't think of it as being strange. There are other believers, witnesses, a great cloud of them that can witness and testify of how good God is when you look unto him. Oh, where do we find these witnesses? You don't need to look too far. Just flip your Bible one page behind. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us what we call the hall of faith. 
and it begins to list for us men and women of faith who have been where we are. And now they testify and say, ah, God is good. Now, when you look at Hebrews 11, for me, as I read this over this last weekend, I was astonished at the names that were not on the list. Elijah was not there. Elisha was not there. Jeremiah was not mentioned. Isaiah was not mentioned. These are heavyweights. These are super-duper heavyweights Bible character. But their names were omitted. So not only was I astonished by those who were not on that list, I was incredibly encouraged by the names on the list. The kinds of Jephthah who made a harsh, rash decision. And who, because of this rash decision, almost shipwrecked his faith. But God, oh my Lord Jesus, but God put his name on that list. Now, let me go to the notable witnesses. Let me just go, let me just go through a few of them. A few of them. As, as I'm speaking to you, my iPad is messing up. Some, some, the, the, I'm talking about these updates. Something just got updated on this thing as I'm speaking. <laughs> Thank God for Apple. Praise God. <laughs> Notable witnesses. The first one. Hebrews 11 verse 4. Abel. My goodness. Abel whom Jesus later described to us as righteous Abel. Hebrews 11, 4 says, even though he's dead, yet he speaks. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. Ikechi Okereke is no longer here, but he's speaking. Peter Motebi is no longer here, but he's speaking. Kenny Olayeye is no longer here, but she's speaking. Eric Omuera is no longer here, but he's speaking. He's speaking the same thing Jesus is saying to us. There are all class of witnesses looking at us as a church, as a work friend, as your individual, and they are saying the same thing. They are saying to us, lift up your eyes for your redemption draws nigh. They are saying to us with confidence because now they can see the glass, not darkly, but with full light and full revelation. Jesus is saying to us, there's mercy for you. There's hope for you. I began it, I finish it. So Abel speaks to us of the fact that we leave our time here and when our time is finished, you must recognize there's a thing called legacy. You may be gone, but your life still speaks. Your life still speaks. Second of the notables, Sarah. Sarah. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 11, 11. This is amazing for me. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. Really? Because if you don't understand what's going on here, we need to go back to scriptures, a few more scriptures. 
Go with me to Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. In the NLT. <laughs> Genesis 18, 12. Unbelievable. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I want to show you here how God sees you. And why it's important for you and I to not to live in a, mixed, in a mixture. Mixture meaning mixed seed, law and grace. You shouldn't do it. Genesis 18, 12. This is when God came to Sarah and told her she didn't have a child. So she laughed silently to herself and said, Hako is one at woman like me. I enjoy such pleasure. Especially when my master, my husband, is also old, so old. Now, you're talking 99, 90, 100 years old. How many 100-year-old men or women gives birth to a child? Yeah, God said it's going to happen. And when God said it to Sarah, she laughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Do you know that kind of laughter? A laughter in disbelief? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I also have a piece of land to sell you in the, in the Everglades. Yeah, <laughs> right. She laughed in unbelief. How then did God say she had faith? How? Because many of us have received the promises of God, but you have drunk the old wine, and you are not willing to accept change. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You need to underline that word righteousness in your Bible. You who seek God, what are we doing? We are seeking God. So God is saying to me, and you as you seek him, looking unto him, say, you that's seeking me, look to me who follow. Look to the rock from which you are hung, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Verse 2. Watch this. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Now, let, let, let me explain this so you can, you can get it. How did God call, how could God with confidence say Sarah was a woman of faith and put her name in the hall of faith of the scriptures? When in fact, the record indicates in Genesis that she doubted God. Isaiah 51 answers the question. Verse 1 says, you who follow after righteousness. In other words, for you and I, who are now the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. It's a different equation. Yes. You who follow after righteousness. Is there any righteous man or woman in this house? Oh, okay, maybe three of you. Is there any righteous man or woman in this house? You who follow after righteousness, you who seek God, let me give you, God is saying, the template of righteousness. Let me show you what righteousness looks like. 
Don't forget all your religiosity and all the things you've been taught in SU and all of these things you'll be a part of. Read the scriptures. Let me show you what righteousness looks like from my perspective. Not your perspective. From my narrative, God is saying, not your narrative. What does it look like? Look at Abraham. Look at Sarah. That's what he's saying. So what am I saying to you? Sarah may have gone home condemned. Oh, I lied. I didn't believe God. I did this wrong. I couldn't get this right. Oh, my goodness. This shortcoming. On and on and on, we've beaten ourselves down. But God is saying, I didn't see any of that. Because the moment your ID changed, the moment you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all God is saying and concerned about is his son that lives in you. And he is counting on his son to perfect what he began. He's not looking at your shortcomings. No. Okay. Some of you made a two-inch degree change in that little one. I'll give you another one. So we saw Abel, we saw Sarah, five minutes to go. Are you kidding me? Whoa. Okay. Ah. How about Abraham? Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 40. I won't read it. It's amazing the Bible says again that Abraham believed God and offered his only son. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, sir. His only begotten son. His only son. That's what the Bible describes it. In Genesis 22, in verse 2, when God told him to go offer Isaac again, God said to Abraham to offer up his only begotten son. Question. Did Abraham only have one son? Okay, again. No, what, what, well, what did you guys, did you guys go to a party last night? <laughs> ah, why, why you guys, you guys are not answering. iPad is messing up, you guys are not answering the whole thing. <laughs> of course he had Ismail. And we know that God is not sinner. God knew he had Ishmael, and just said to him, your only son. What is God after? What is he saying to us? God is saying to me, to you, to this church, to the world, whoever is listening, is not counting your Ishmael's. All your fleshly accomplishments don't show up on his radar. Is only looking at the promises of God in your life that he is bringing to pass. Yeah. What an encouragement to know the mistakes you've made. The instruments you've given birth to. The fleshly things you keep on doing. The carnality in which you live in. God is saying it's not showing up in my radar. Now, is that to encourage us to continue to do those things? No. No, rather it's to encourage us. It's God, thank you. You cover my nakedness. Thank you for helping me to be more and more like you. 
In Hebrews 11, 12. Another witness, another witness. It's this one man and him as good as dead. In describing Abraham. Think about that. One man and him as good as dead. In fact, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me paraphrase that. One man at 100 years old. All of us will agree that a 100-year-old man is as good as what? Dead. They have their body pass for heaven in their hand. They are ready to go. 100 years old? Yes! One man and him as good as dead. What did God do with it? Turned it around. I am saying to you, your business that as good as dead based on Wall Street estimations. Your career that looks like it's is going down south, that looks like it's irredeemable. Your lifestyle that looks like, man, I keep on messing up. If I don't change, I'm going to end up in prison. All of those things you need to know, they are a platform for God's miraculous deliverance. Yeah. Why? Because God is calling those things that be not as though they are. When I read about Abraham, you that's looking for a child, and you say, well, I'm too old, I'm 50, I'm 60. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you know who you're dealing with? The God that spoke and the son hung, didn't move. So a servant can finish a battle. Amen. You are telling me that that God cannot bring a miracle into your life? The issue is, we need to start drinking the new wine and don't get stuck in the old wine. That's the issue. One last thing he said. He said, weakness he made strong in Hebrews 11, 32. We just looked at our weaknesses. And in Hebrews 11, in verse 32, 32 through 40, the Bible says he made the weaknesses strong. So what weakness do you have today? What areas are you vulnerable in? Jehovah can make it strong and make it work for you. That is a fact. That is a fact. So let me just close this. I'm, I'm trying to find a good place to close. I gave you Abel. I gave you Sarah. I gave you Abraham. What is the connection of all of those individuals? One word. Righteousness. There's only one prerequisite to looking unto Jesus. Righteousness. Are you the son of righteousness? Are you the daughter of righteousness? Because righteousness gives you right standing with God. Where God promises to engage with you to bring the desires of his heart to pass in your life. Let's just go through a couple of scriptures. I'm about to close. I need five more minutes, please. Psalms 34, verse 15. Yeah, I need, I need five minutes because the iPad is messing up. Let, let, let me blame it on the iPad. <laughs> Psalms 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are who? The righteous. If you're righteous, that's an assurance that you are not alone. 
and his ears are open to their cry. Hallelujah. Give me verse 17, the same chapter. Verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. This is a promise. And delivers them out of all their trouble. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Time will, not give me the, time will not permit me to give you examples. There are so many of them. So many of them. Give me verse 19. Verse 19. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That is a promise of God to you, to your household, to your businesses, to your careers, to your ministry. That is the word of God, that God will bring you out. And my last word for you as I close, the final closing. In the book of Genesis, chapter 42, verse 36, I've said this before, but let me just say it again for emphasis. Genesis 42, 36. This is Jacob in a time of famine. His kids have gone to Egypt to get grain. And Joseph has told them, don't come back again unless you bring, Simon, um, unless you bring Benjamin. So they are home now in Canaan. Hunger is striking them. They're hungry again. And Jacob is saying, go and buy more grain. And say, no, no, we can't go unless we take Benjamin with us. Back and forth and back and forth. And this is what it says. Genesis 42, 36. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have believed me. Joseph is no more. In other words, I've loved Joseph. Simeon is no more. He's in prison in Egypt. And you want to take Benjamin? Sam, Joseph is gone. Simon is gone. Now the last boy, my, my, my youngest. Now you want to take him? You're asking for this last one again? Look at what it says. All these things are against me. As of that day for Jacob, in that current present day condition, Joseph is gone. Check. Simeon is in prison in Egypt. Check. Now you're asking for Benjamin? Benjamin as well? What do what, 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 what they have left? All these things against. If the scripture ended there, Jacob would have been right. I told you weeks ago, it is not over until it is over. What Jacob did not know was that the change he was resisting will be the object of his blessing. Because after he finally released Benjamin to go, the Bible said Joseph sent carts or wagons to Canaan to bring Jacob. And when they first told Jacob, Joseph is alive, the Bible says he didn't believe it. But when he saw the wagons coming, maybe for you that could be a Tesla, 
It could be a Bentley. It could be a BMW. I don't know what it is. When you saw the wagons coming, the Bible said his heart revived. Amen. I'm here to tell you today, God will manifest his blessings in your life that all the naysayers around you will be forced to testify, to agree with God and with you that God is in the blessing business. It's not over for you. Absolutely not. Jehoshaphat cried to God. He said, my enemies are all around me, and I have no strength against them. He said, but my eyes are looking unto you, and God brought a deliverance. It's not over. This story of your life is being, is being written. Hallelujah. Let's look unto him in prayer, in the study of the word, in fasting, and let's continue to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to make the adjustments that we need to make in our lives so we can be aligned with and for its purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.